Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic Hour. Well, it's our second day in a row that we're broadcasting. So we do not currently have any callers, but we hope that we do hear from some of you today. 914-338-0164 is the call-in number. Please do press 1 if you'd like to speak with us. And uh, our listeners and and callers may join us on Facebook and on Twitter. Those accounts are linked on our Blog Talk Radio profile, Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic. Uh, you may also follow us there. Also, we appreciate anyone who has an experience on the show that they'd like to comment about, to write a review on one of our pages. It's, it takes very little time to leave positive feedback. We appreciate all the positive feedback on the air, but having something written on our Facebook pages is always very helpful. So we would appreciate reviews from those of you who are on our social media. And for those of you who aren't on our social media, follow us and write a review. Give a little bit back. It is the giving season, Thanksgiving. Uh, also, we are available for um, on on different podcast sites. So remember, we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Verbal, Stitcher, and many other places where podcasts can be found. Unless you want to say something, Neil, before we get started. Well, yeah, just a quick announcement. Uh, you know, this show does cost us to put on the air. Yeah, it's we're, it's, we're due for our bill and. Yeah. Kind of coming up, yeah. It's uh, like $400. So we we offer free services, of course, and readings are free. But when if perhaps you could be kind enough to send a donation, that would go to help paying for the show, to keep it on the air. And we would sure appreciate it to help uh, relieve us of the burden of, of uh, the financial responsibility of putting us on the air. So, again, anything would be appreciated, and uh, we are here to give and provide free readings, and so it would only be a donation for the uh, broadcasting expense. Right, broadcasting expense. Now, again, we don't have donation link uh, on our show description or on our Facebook page, so you would need to get in touch with me directly or us directly on our social media sites, which is very easy to do, and I can provide you the information on on how to send a donation. See, a lot of times, you know, readings on Blog Talk, uh, half-hour readings uh, for a half-hour, 
there's sometimes uh, different charges. So an hour always reduces a uh, always demands a, a larger expense. And we like to provide for an hour of readings for our listeners. Right, and the, the other thing is, oftentimes if we have a limited number of callers, we are very generous with our time. I mean, yesterday we had a topic, and it's a, it's great. I mean, to get callers, of course. We, you know, our first caller got 30 minutes, which is, you know, a sizable amount of time, and we wanted to make sure we answered questions thoroughly. So people keep in mind that we're really giving a lot. You know, a lot of other readers will limit questions to one question and the reading to 10 minutes. So 10 minutes per caller. So uh, we don't do that if we have time. We accommodate the callers that are in the queue. Yeah, you know, uh, in the meantime, uh, here we are at the holidays, and the uh, situation around the world is pretty horrific uh, with all the uh, shootings and uh, difficulties in, on the, in the political field and all the hatred towards certain parts of the human population. So we're reaching a, a real crisis. There's always been crisis. There's always been crisis. Around the world, there's always been crisis. But again, you know, on our part, we just want to put out energy that there is harmony and peace, that there is not violence. I mean, we can have differences, but when it comes to actually threatening or killing someone or suggesting that a, a human being shouldn't be on the planet, uh, that that's a whole different uh, ball game. And those are the things that we are opposed against. Not open debate, not open discussion, not uh, democracy or, or fair elections and legitimate elections and the, the acceptance of defeat. These are all part of the democratic process. Uh, now, getting back to our other spiritual topic, we were discussing uh, certain levels of the astral realm, which indeed is, is, in my experience, the case. And I'm not the only one who holds that position, of course. But when the holding a position in the astral realm seems like it might be rather sticky for the muscles. Sticky? Or not uh, sticky. Uh, <laughs> sticky, not the right word. Challenging. <laughs> Difficult. Yeah. Sticky is another word. That yeah, I, mean, I, I noticed know, uh, I, in, on the first layer of the astral, there's a lot of gum. <laughs> and I have been stuck. <laughs> no, but sticky, sticky is a fine adjective. Yeah. Sticky is, uh, means difficult. So The Lord God saw that the world was sticky. and uh, No, uh, I mean, in my context of usage, it's not well, completely the, wrong. The, first, when, the thing about the astral realm is kind of strange because most of us do go there on some level. Our astral bodies, are, the, the level of our energies are reduced somewhat at night. And the astral bodies often leave the physical body by the silver cord and venture out into the astral world 
which can have a view of the physical world. So they're not actually in the physical world, but they're, they're in a parallel universe, and that may be very close to the physical world. So one may have a dream that they're having a, 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 an environment in the dream that is containing the physical world, but they're actually in the astral realm and viewing it from there. Uh, some people can consciously eject from their bodies and ask to project during, during awake hours. People are trained, some people are trained or get good enough to do that. But for the majority of the population, we tend to venture out beyond having a psychological dream within the mind. We tend to venture out and our astral bodies go into the astral field whereby we perceive it as a dream sometimes floating and things like that. Sometimes the dreams in the astral field is a review of our life. Sometimes it's working out something in a past zone because in the astral realm, you're able to transcend current time and move backward and forward. Like I said many times, uh, Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens must have had some idea of this unless it was just his pure imagination tapping into something unknowingly. But that's what Scrooge did. He went past, present, future. And a guides and spirits and ghosts seem to uh, enlighten and accompany him on his trips. When we do enter the astral realm, whether we know it or not, our typical guides are there. Now, the, we don't usually remember that because any conversation we have with our guides has to be kept in locked chambers because the guide is not really allowed to intervene intervene or grant information that will help you because you're all on your own. The, but, the information is stored in the astral mind, essentially. In the astral realm. And, yeah. Right, in you're the supposed to be able body. to access it. Exactly. So you're supposed to be able to access it in some way in order to well, you know, to death, proceed in life in a great manner. Some physical position that a human being can take where they tap into their astral body and absorb some of the information that a guide might have told them. Or it could be that a psychic or somebody who is a medium may be able to perceive some of the information at hand, and thereby the guide is not totally responsible for relaying information firsthand. But, but we don't use the word medium. Oh, I'm just using it for the No, but I'm just saying, I mean, I know we're not on that topic specifically, but now that you bring the word up, it's not a word that you use when I met you. You know, you no, call yourself a psychic, and, you know, we don't say, oh, well, you know, we're mediums. Medium. We well, say the medium psychic. is the medium is is an it's just a terminology for a human being that is positioned between the physical life and the spiritual life. They're in the medium or median circumference, uh, circumference of that concept, so they are able to relay messages from one realm to another and vice versa. And some of them are can be gifted at it and have that ability. But the word psychic is, uh, encompasses, I mean, some, again, it's their own 
own, just their own brain matter that's psychic and they're not really connecting to anything outside themselves. Um, but in our terminology, being psychic is a heading for many different well, facets psychic, of psychic ability. A psychic, is a, a psychic is a knowing person. They know things. A medium is just a messenger. It's a, it, it, a medium listens to a message and then delivers it. A medium isn't really a psychic. A medium is someone who can perceive a message and then deliver it. So they're like a postman. A psychic is somebody who knows. A medium don't usually know the future or can see things like Unless that. they're communicating they with somebody who gives them that information on the other side. Yeah. However, the point is that, yes, they hear your I mean, the differentiation between the two titles, but in our terminology, psychic is a heading for a lot of different, uh, a, little, a lot of different subheadings underneath the word psychic. So it's not only being knowing, and it's not only about using the brain as a psychic tool, but it's about connecting with spirits, it's about, you know, there's all kinds of different but, I mean, you know, reading cards. Well, why I'm most comfortable with the word psychic in my own world is because, like, an astrologer has to go by the stars and planets and, you know, a card reader, a palm reader. They all have to rely on some other facet in order to make a reading appropriate and accurate. A psychic just is there. They're just there. They have really no tools. They're not going by any charts. Yeah, we refer to numerology as sort of ruler, but that's saying if you use a ruler, that's the same as building a desk. It's the um, the, the numerology is something that is more raw material. Being a psychic, can we do readings without numerology? Of course, and I'm sure that there are gifted astrologers and. Palm reader, well, palm reader has to look at your palm. But there are, there are, a psychic just, a psychic's brain, the, the capacity of where the psychic energy is, basically in the pineal gland, what, what the, the reference is, that's where the information is stored. It, there's a brighter light with psychics. They can see things. And then that knowingness, they get into a deeper area of omniscience and omnipresence. So they're very close to being all-knowing. They, they're not all-knowing. They're not God. But they have a higher energy field. Now, the question is, does a psychic get information from within? Or does a psychic actually tap into other facets of the astral realm in which they deliver their message. And it's a really a marriage of both. And sometimes it's separated and it's one or the other. But a psychic is just a human being that all by him or herself reads, sees, gives energy. And, and when they start the process going, they start to work a little bit with the emotion and the feeling. And sometimes they talk to get feedback. Yeah. They make noises. Well, it's, it's interesting. Like in this specific reading we did yesterday with the person we had online, it's interesting that you mentioned that, uh, with, with Jennifer. And she was saying, well, you know, can you pick up something about this person that was very distinct? 
And, uh, and I said, well, Neil, why don't you see what you can get? And you said, well, two different color eyes and a finger, a missing finger. And whatever, I don't know what, at what point in your, you know, delivering information to her, I then went, the light bulb went off. But from your dialogue, I got a missing, a missing limb. So, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, it, was it was a missing leg. So, but I mean, prior to that, when she said, you know, there's something very distinct, I, at that point, didn't have anything. I mean, names came in earlier in the reading and she called about the names, which came in. Well, but that was what triggered me. You triggered me to get right. to the point. Because in our situation, there is a, a cord connecting from probably our sixth and fourth chakra that was so information, I can get something and then that energy field is already worth worth twin souls. So that information is already delivered going to you and you can either refine it or it's vice versa. I'll refine it. Yeah. So we talk about the 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 um, connections of psychic energy between people. A lot of people will say we're soulmates. Oh, we're soulmates. And for the most part, they can be accurate. Twin souls is something else. Some people, it would be better if you're not twin souls. It's much better. It's much easier to say you're a soulmate. A twin soul is a whole different capacity of responsibility. Right, exactly. criteria of what the activity should be on the planet. You're not a twin soul just because, you know, you like so each other and chocolate ice cream together and, you know. Twin Souls is a different, it's a higher energy, a higher responsibility to the planet. But yes, people can be Twin Souls, of course. Soulmates basically means that in some level of the planet, the souls have mated. Or on the astral realm, they have been combined. In the astral realm. Karmic mates sometimes are just people that have only connected on the physical plane. So when you're talking about soulmates, there may be, you know, that may be derived from some kind of deeper, it's deeper in the connections soul. on when the soul. It's purely realm. body, it's friendship, it's buddy, it's husband and wife, it's best friend. It's, it, you know, it's a different, it's a different connotation. And, um, uh, position of, of what the real physical merit is of that connection. People can be husband and wife and best friends without any soul, previous connection to people that are branded. And, and because they have both traveled from diverse areas, they've come together on a common ground to where they can feel like a soulmate. And they're inclined to say we're soulmates. But theoretically, a soulmate is where the souls have combined previously. That's why they're soulmates. But figuratively speaking, you can say it. Decoratively speaking, you can say it about a person. But we're talking about the layers of energy. Um, twin souls have reached a higher standard. They're a little bit closer to spiritual souls. Uh, spiritual souls would be that the spirit and the soul have combined. We tend to use spirit as a decorative statement. Oh, they've got a lot of spirit. 
a spirit. Or you're a spirit leader, like a cheerleader yeah. in school, which is, you know, obviously not. Now, we all have spirits, but, the, but when the spirit is released from the body and the soul, then usually, more than usually, the spirit has lost connection with the earth. It's now in the spiritual realm, and there is no further connection. When, when a spirit and a soul are devoid of the body, then that soul spirit is what usually speaks to human beings because there can be a connection on the planet, and a spirit soul can still see the activities of the world if they so or he so chooses or is commanded to. So those things are, are basically the element. Now, when we have hauntings, people may say, well, what about hauntings? What about you know, a spirit soul that is menacing, that is continuously doing damage or harm or danger, frightening people. There are two things for that. One, there's, there's repetitive residual energy where a soul is so condemned that it's locked into a, a tra- it's locked and transfixed into a position that it once held on the earth. So you always see the soul at the window, right. jumping out, the, jumping out, there, jumping out. There, when I first came here, there was, I remember we were doing some like, I don't know, psychic training at night or something. This was like, you know, before we were together, together. And there was a woman, you said, that kept looking at her watch kept looking at her watch, kept looking at her watch. And probably, you know, she was transfixed, like in, in the way that you're defining a soul to be. I mean, and she's, I mean, for eternity, yeah. when souls, like that, which is when souls are When souls are locked, I went to Suicide Bridge and saw souls <laughs> either sitting on the bridge over days that I went there in the same position, contemplating the, the the attitude of the ground beneath them, or oh, I saw souls repeatedly jumping off the bridge. It was called Suicide Bridge. Well, that sounds bridge. pleasant. Um, what did a little special lovely there. There, there are souls. Now, some of those are active souls, and some of it is residual energy, where the impression that was last left on the earth becomes like a locked-in replay, replay, replay. There's no consciousness there. There's no real active soul there, but it's a replay of an energy that is there, but it isn't there. It it's not really ha- doesn't really have substance in terms of consciousness. Now, that can happen. Oftentimes, too, when people leave their soul and transcend into spirit, sometimes that soul lingers. The energy of that soul lingers, just like our bodies linger after we die, those souls kind of float around. They're like dead jellyfish. They're floating around until they ultimately disintegrate. And sometimes they can be reignited by the energy of a darker soul that takes occupation of that soul, like like a crab taking a control of a shell and it takes that body over, that containment over or like being possessed, a soul can use that. Other times, those souls can sort of float around 
And let's say people are working with the Ouija boards, they can get sucked into the energy of the Ouija board and start feeding off like the invasion of the body snatchers, all the thoughts and energies that the people that are operating the Ouija board are uh, asking and then repeat back answers that they, they think they're really talking to somebody. I've never, in all my earlier years of supernatural ex- ex- experiments, connected to a real living soul in a Ouija board. They're all darker energies that were absorbing the energy of uh, the occupants at hand and, and just repeating or getting answers that it now had contained. So it actually comes to life, but it's not the soul of the person. It's the energy that the soul is, the dead soul, if you will, is um, being filled up with the thoughts of other people. You mean the dead person? Yeah. Not the dead soul. I'm, well, I mean, there can be dead souls, I suppose, but... Gargoyle. Dead, gargoyle. Gargoyle. gargoyle uh, go- dead go- souls. Go- the novel. Google? Go- go- I always, you know, Google, Google, I don't know. You might have, but, um, Google, Google would be a different I novel altogether. <laughs> so, 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 but I mean, the, the interesting thing is that when people use Ouija boards, I mean, you, if you're not connecting with a real soul, but you can stir up a lot of negative energy and disruption, cause disruption you in can. your environment using you a Ouija Unless board. Someone's pushing the pendulum, the, 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 whatever it's called, the podium thing. Yeah. The pendulum, yeah. Uh, if they're pushing it with their hands, you know, and it's all. You mean? I mean, electrical fields don't necessarily have consciousness. When, when we as human beings, we have an electromagnetic field. But that doesn't necessarily have consciousness in it. It can, and oftentimes it does. But not, it's not a commanding definition. Electrical field is the energy field that is produced around us that is the vibration of our soul and our spirit. It's a vibration. It's like saying you hit a note and then there's a vibration. But the sound is no longer the note. Well, it's overtones. Vibration. Well, yeah, I and mean, there are overtones to that note. So the, the vibration that you're hearing are the overtones yeah. to that note, which is, you know, yeah. So um, not exactly the note it, itself. It's, so you have to kind of conceptualize the mysteriousness of the astral realm because it's filled with all kinds of, of phenomena that we could relate to on Earth. A, a whale's a whale crying or a whale putting out energy, you hear the sound, but the sound is no longer the whale. It's apart from the whale. Just as whales and bats put out sonar to, to get an attitude or a feel of the of the um, energy. Environment. Of Environment. The energy. So it's all pertaining to how there are extensions of our immediate body and our soul body and our spirit body. And those extensions can seemingly have a life of their own. You know, for instance, a cat's whiskers. The, the whisker doesn't... The cat's whiskers doesn't have consciousness. No, it's the, the nerves. But the cat's whiskers have nerves in it that sends to the cat what is in its immediate Well, the, the, it's not the cat's nerve, whiskers that has nerves. It's the cat's... Face that has, has nerves yeah. that the, ner- the, whis- the whiskers the whis- are attached to. The whiskers to. Are, are a medium. They're, they're a message that's telling the cat something is 
around your face. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, they're very sensitive, which I, mean, I, I always knew this, but more information. I was able to learn about cat's whiskers recently watching a video, and um, they can pick up on, you know, the temperature. I mean, it's, they're extremely sensitive, so, you know, another topic. But That's exactly why the phrase is raining cats and dogs. <laughs> cats are often uh, good measurements of the weather. No, but they were talking about whisker fatigue in this in this video. Yeah, in if, fact, if a cat is eating in a tiny bowl or whisker and stress. whiskers are hitting against the bowl, it can be very annoying. And that's why they drop off the food on the floor and eat it off the floor because yeah. they're not getting that sensation in their, in their nerve endings and so on and so forth. But anyway, that's So not... we don't necessarily have whiskers, but we have electromagnetic fields that gives us messages, hunches, feelings, intuition. Now, that itself doesn't necessarily have consciousness, but the energy sends to our consciousness a message. So it's very interesting. Now, when the astral body leaves the physical body, the astral body sends messages to the physical body. It's not always easily translated. Sometimes it seems really wacky and bizarre, but the astral body will do its best to send a vibration to the physical body of what it is experiencing. And if it's in a very abstract astral realm and it's having a hard time trying to communicate exactly to the physical body what it is experiencing because it's in the astral field and it's not a physical object, it will try to correlate and, and explain the energy by symbol. So a chair could be an astral, some kind of astral step on Jacob's ladder, there's there's something that this the the soul will still have a responsibility, and there is that silver cord, so the soul is still responsible to the body on the earth as it relates the message and perceives things. The body on the earth has a filter, and in that filter, there's forms of interpretation. Sometimes things can be blocked, and then sometimes if the soul is in trouble what the body will do is force itself like out of a nightmare so it can immediately sweep the soul back into the body because there's some kind of danger. A soul can experience danger in the astral realm. That's why we wake up in a nightmare if it's not psychological. We sweep the soul back. If the soul comes back and the body is not allowing the soul to make a soft landing, then typically the human body wakes up transfixed. Sleep paralysis. Yeah. Because it's waking up while landing and it just is a very disturbing way to make a landing. So until the soul can find a way to get back into the chakra system of the third eye, there's there's great paralysis or a feeling that somebody's above you when it's really your your own astral body that's above you. Uh um, notwithstanding things like an incubus or some sort of spirit form that could hoover over your body. Hoover? Body. What are they, oh, vacuuming? Hoover. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, <laughs> they're using that. Because uh, uh, <laughs> it's H-O-O. H-O-V. I know. I know. But I, but you I say, know. I know. Okay. I know. And a hoover. Now, are you trying? So I, I, whenever I think about it, I think of a vacuum. Are you doing a product endorsement? I mean, there are other vacuums out there besides Hoover's, Neil. 
Well, I know. I know. I, I, I've gotten letters from Westinghouse that really scolded me on not. Bissell and Bissell's just plain pissed. Yeah. Bissell was very angry and I had to go to court with them and <laughs> describe that I didn't mean any prejudice. But the idea that that we are, we are we're a very complex energy field. Not to mention, we talk about palm. In the palm of our hand, we have points that connect to the liver, the heart, the appendix, the bowel system. Even in our hand, the heart, the appendix, even in our hand, we have those pressure points. Yeah, and I was just looking at my hand the other night and, you know, looking at the different lines. And today, they're different than they were. They're different. You know, they do evolve the palms, you they, know, they throughout. Evolve. And, you know, the measurement of the hand, a typical hand, like from thumb to pinky, <laughs> would be nine inches. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, if you have a typical hand. I do not and have a measure hands. from the top of the thumb to the first joint is an inch. From, from Wait, the, uh, top of the point, top of the thumb, thumb to the first joint, joint is considered an inch. I wish I had a measure. And then from the jack joint. The base of the thumb would be two inches. And maybe well, yeah, and my hands inches. are like way small. It, you know, for, for the typical uh, body construction. But the point is this. We measure. We identify. The body helps us to measure and identify. So we are a living map. We're a living calculus. We're a living energy of, of physics, if you will, and mathematics and information. And the points in our body are synonymous with the points that are also connected from body to soul to spirit. So now it becomes a cosmic connection. Yes, there are points in our body that we can press to uh, relieve pain or to, to prompt a clearance if there's a block. Right, acupressure or acupuncture or massage. Yeah, all different kinds of modalities that can be used to really all of those things. So we are we can self-medicate if we're enlightened and talented enough. Of course, we need doctors, but 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 what we're talking about the body being a unit within itself. Now, if you take that thought alone, that's amazing. The body is a unit within itself that is interconnected. Not to mention that the thoughts that we have become energy fields that go into our body, from our toes to our top of our head, to even our hair. You know, oh, you're worrying so much, you went gray. What? It doesn't seem to make sense, does it? But the energy of the mind... You must have been worrying a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have a wart, so you really work. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I don't think but, so. Um, so uh, now, when we look at that, we think how amazing, how amazing that our body is a cosmic universe of energy in a physical sense of the word. Now take it further. Now inside of that body, that is, that you can't see, you can't dissect is the soul. And for most human beings, we believe it. Most of us, not all of us, but most of us believe in a soul. Majority wins. That soul has now had its own properties. There's no heart in that soul. 
There are no organs. There's no brain. It's an, it's an energy field that is lifted above the body, but somehow resembles the body. In an invisible way, it resembles the body. Forget the spirit. The spirit's so abstract from the body that you can't compare it. That's, for, that's the last thing of all. But this soul now has its own energy field. And the energy field of the soul is called a unity of energy. You don't, you don't find parts of, of different parts in a soul. You find a unit of energy in the soul that encompasses all the journeys of the body. But it's in cosmic form. Now imagine that. You're looking at something, for want of better words, that resembles the outline of a human body, but there's nothing there to grab. There's nothing there to really touch. Your hand will go through it. <laughs> Kristen's right now. I have hands all over me. Trying to feel, uh, my soul. It's funny because when she started laughing, she had her index finger on her temple. So the soul going to refrain. The soul is there's nothing in the soul that we can really identify except for the unit of energy that again encompasses all experiences of the body. And then that soul also has an extraordinary awareness of the spirit because it lives right next door to the spirit. So the soul has more ability to be able to perceive the consequences of the astral realm. Well, you know, it goes back, kind of going back to our conversation we were having yesterday about the woman who had that near-death experience. She, again, was talking about her awareness and not having really any belief or any solid any solid understanding of past lives prior to her narrative experience, how she could feel all of her lifetimes in one unit of energy. And she, you know, describing it in, in, in uh, English language or any language is difficult because, you know, how, how do you feel that oneness? You know, she wasn't in the spirit realm. She was in the astral realm, but still could you know, felt the energy of her soul, you know, all in one, all the energies her soul had ever experienced in one moment. In one moment. Yeah. Um, and of course, now she's an expert and is making money off this. This is really interesting because, you know, she said, I was so concerned with the day-to-day, uh, you know, worries of life, making money. She, I think she was a CFO of a company or something. I don't know if she had her own company. But now she's taken this experience and, and made it her, made it a way for her to make money. <laughs> yeah. It's, she's, you know, now a teacher and so on and so forth. And, I'm, you know, my question is a near-death experience. How does a near-death experience make someone an expert in guiding no, others, um, especially yeah. when she has absolutely no background in anything to do with metaphysics, well, you know, so on taking, and so forth. She's making one note, a long note. She's using the experience to elongate her, 
her knowledge well, it's, without having actual knowledge. Well, the weird thing is, though, because she said, you know, so much, she learned so much from this experience. And clearly, if she learned that much from the experience of having, you know, quote unquote, dying for 90 minutes and, and ex- going to the astral realm and understanding that there are past lives and how to clear karma, that she would come back and try to make a living off of it and guide others when she really doesn't have the qualifications well, to do I mean, so. I haven't heard the full content of her. Uh, I, I haven't either. I haven't either. But there's know, a website you know, that speaks at events and counsels others and does meditation and all this. I don't know what she did after the fact to educate herself. So I'm kind of jumping you know, yeah, from I don't know. I mean, point A to can, point B. You can have an intense encounter in, in the astral realm. Her name is... And the soul can be... Her soul is never separated from her body. You, you can't sever the silver cord and then repair it again. So there may be, a, there may be some medical explanation that said that she had died, but the soul was not disconnected from the body. This, and that's why she had these experiences while she was in the body. So we're on our website. I don't want to say what her name is because I just feel like I don't want to give anyone negative publicity. No. So I, I don't think that's right. But to me, I'm saying, I, I mean, this is like, well, give me a, authentic, an authentic self. self. Well, number and, one, that the soul is not a self. I mean, it's a poor language. Well, the she's... Authentic it should be uh, the reverse of the authentic mm-hmm. self is is a decorative statement, but it's not accurate. In her in her defense, though, I think what she's saying is, I'm going to help you rebirth yourself to connect with people. What the problem is is uh, you know just at the starting gate here is the rebirth of the authentic self. The statement which you say is incorrect. I agree with you, and then this picture of her with like you know it's like this ego trip. I mean that I, I yeah, don't I think it's well, it's not representative, it's poor, it, and the whole it, thing is about blah 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 television, publication, film, and what can you do to testimonials? Yeah, yeah I mean I smell a lot of bullshit. Yeah, but the authentic, a lot. <laughs> the authentic self is is a stu- is really a nonsense statement. Any self is authentic. So the yeah. the, the the word authentic. Rebirth of the authentic self doesn't really make any amount of sense. Well, she's saying, I, I know what she says decoratively. I know what her illustration is meant to say, but in pure semantics, the authentic, the authentic self, the self is, is authentic. authentic. I get it. There's yeah, no but... point. It's redundant. There's no point. Uh, the rebirth of the meaning, the meaning of earthly existence. I don't know something else. But the self, I mean, she's using humanistic terminology from psychology. So we didn't even know about the self. I mean, Plato and Aristotle presented some information regarding the idea that we are, that the self has a separation between body, mind, and soul, and that we have produced a self. As we move through this sense of history and psychology, we get to the self, the alienated self, the self that we have within us, that is the combat or either, either the communion of mind, body, and soul. So we don't, the self is, a, is an abstract term, but it started to become popular 
when we started to analyze the mind and took the mind as part of the reality of human existence, that it was that was not just the body but the mind itself. And then we had to determine what is it, what comes first, the body or the mind. And then we produce a self which has the containments what? A personality? Is the self a personality-driven thing? Is it an emotional-driven thing? Is it an intellectual-driven thing? Is it something that if we take apart from the body, we can look at it? What is the self? So, I mean, her terminology just disturbs me because it doesn't seem um, coherent in my mind. I wouldn't use those terms. But on the other hand, I get where she's coming from. But, you know, in other words... Well, the purpose of life is to appreciate beauty in the earth and to know that your life is, is, is important and that you exist on the planet to, to release yourself from all your troubles and worries and you don't have to worry, you're just free. You know, whatever may be her allusions to the authentic self from having a rebirth. But the rebirth would be more pertaining when you have a rebirth, we all go through a rebirth. We come back to the planet reborn. Uh, it just like the more I think about it, the more I get nauseous. Um, well, I but, mean, you know, I, I guess what she's doing. I'm trying to I like really quickly. Doing. No, no, no. You don't know what she's doing. I'm talking about what she's doing I in know. terms of promoting, promoting herself. herself. But like, is she counseling people? It doesn't look like she's doing that. But what she is doing she's is making money off of she's making, you know, she's trying to be, you know, she's been in a movie. She's she's trying to make a career out of her experience having uh, this experience um, and, and be a speaker at events. She wants to be on talk shows and. Well, well, you know, so her, her put Moses in a movie, but I don't know if, if Moses was allowed, if he would have signed a contract with Cecil B. DeMille to, to stars himself in the movie. And her web address uh, has is is her name and it has the word ghost in it. Ghost. What? I mean, so it's like all messed up. I mean, so like, you know, again, and then there's all these articles that she writes. How to, uh, I don't want to say what it says, because well, you can read the article without but, mentioning the name. The, well, the name of the article, yeah. you know, discount, don't discount the small wins. Uh, talking about how, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs often give up too early when presented with obstacles. Well, I mean, she's entitled I'm, to give her opinions and their opinions. She's avoid the comparison trap. Yeah, that. but I think, I, I, I don't. Well, I, can I please? I think, I think if you have a near-death experience and you're trying to bring something enriching back to the population at large about that experience, it isn't just how to live on the planet. There's got to be something deeper. And this is not depth. If you're, if she's had a deep spiritual awakening, this is not the reflection of it. What I'm seeing on the website, it just isn't. I, I, it's not, you know, find how to master the art of storytelling. That has nothing to do with a deep spiritual experience. What yeah, I, I, I suspect um, but again, if she wants to illustrate a different creative part of her being from this experience and branch off of it, that's well, her that's her. Yeah, it's her prerogative. But let's categorize it properly. And for her to say that she's 
a changed person and different. She's not. She's just rebranding herself after this experience. Yeah. She's just rebranding herself. I mean, she may have had, you know, an enhanced or heightened awareness after, you know, since having the experience in some aspects, but it's not really going to any deep level. Well, it, opinion, it gets really whatever. difficult. You know, money is the root. We ask for money and contributions. Well, so it's the root of all evil <laughs> in some regards, and it's the root of all necessity of life. We can't get around the no, idea that. No, you have that, to, obviously, I make mean, a living. I mean, there are some people who live on the streets, and they just are blessed by God and take each day as it comes, and they praise God if they get a, you know, a donation from a passerby or they find something on the street that helps to sustain them. And they're, they're nomads. They're, they're, you know, nomads is really an interesting word because it's nomad. You're not really mad, but you're dislocated. You might be irritated. You might be irritated, but not completely mad. Yeah. And you're not crazy. Yeah. But then it's also K-N-O-W, nomad. To know the madness of life, you get into the idea that, I mean, people would have said that uh, Jacob was mad or Noah. People said Noah was mad. People said Jesus was mad. Some of our great religious leaders have been considered to be mad. And not to mention Albert E. Newman was mad. But to uh, get into the idea of, you know, the idea of, madness or insanity or getting back into the idea of the self uh, someone who is spiritually gifted intellectually superior or or has some kind of mental defect it all gets back into the idea of the authentic self how do you tell a schizophrenic what the authentic self is how do you tell somebody who's mentally impaired what the authentic self is and do they have one and how do you make a conclusive determination of what the authentic, authentic self, self is. is? It's different for every person. Correct. Yeah. So, so it's a loose interpretation. It's a loose interpretation. Some people are hermits. Some people want to live in a, within a congregation of people. There's no authentic self. Well, and then... Some people are Republicans, some are Democrats. According to what she's selling, I mean, what is the authentic self? What she, I mean, what she is stating her authentic self is, and everybody should adopt. You know, go to the beat of your own drum. I mean, it's so. Uh, yeah, it, it's just it gets, nauseating. I mean, I, I, like I said, I was, I, I, the video was presented to us by someone. You thought it was very amazing, and I, I was skeptical because I, you know, I've read about near-death experiences before, and again, it just does not fully encompass what happens after death. It's not possible. It's not possible. So that's number one. Some income, someone coming back from that experience cannot say what it is like to actually die and cross over because they didn't. They did. They only reached a certain point. Uh, and uh, so when I watched it, the the one thing that I thought was interesting is how she did feel she had that simultaneous uh, awareness of all her different journeys of the soul. And I believe that she had that experience. I think she um, flatlined during an open heart surgery. So she had cancer and had to have open heart surgery for whatever reason. And that's when she that's when she had the near death experience. Yeah. 
but um, see the thing she said she didn't see she there wasn't floating in the hospital room she didn't see she said she was in a tremendous light and she felt weightless so it wasn't like she was hovering over or hoovering or hoovering she was not cleaning um, the hospital over room. the body you're in the room um, she just experienced a tremendous lightness and a gift of release and and um, well-being and there were no concerns about the earth. I mean, she 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 graduated beyond the gravity of earthly energy. Right. But the cord went that far. The cord, the silver cord, doesn't have a limit. It the only limitation is is it's still attached to the body. But just because you graduated one time beyond the limits of the earth to a, to a realm that's outside the earth doesn't mean when you come back that you're an expert on that realm. No. And I think that's the problem. In this it was a very solitary experience. She didn't see a guide. She doesn't profess any guides or God or anything. She's in, in a very elusive, abstract environment that is centered still in a form of consciousness. Now, she's using consciousness to describe her experience. So she has a physical mind. If she didn't have a physical mind, she wouldn't come back and say, say I, I didn't worry about the earth. If she truly didn't have a physical mind, she wouldn't even know about the worries of the earth. She wouldn't be able to state that she didn't worry about it anymore. But the fact that she says, I, I didn't worry about the things of the earth anymore, means that she was she still was very much attached, attached to, to the earth. earth. She was just, you know, on vacation. She wasn't worrying right now about going to work. But she was still aware. Yes, yeah, she was the aware earth. of the. Earth. So you could dissect what she said intellectually, conceptually, and say, well, you know, let's get the facts straight. Uh, we're not professing to be experts at the field, but we have the privilege and the opportunity to examine what's being said, just like people will examine what we're saying. Right, right. Well, so again, coming back to her statement on her website, you know, discover your authentic self. The problem is that she's bringing it back to a very earth, her experience and teaching others. She's bringing it back to a very egocentric level. Discover your authentic self. Well, that's not what going out into the spiritual realm should be about. Psychologists could write a book about that. Um, And there have, it's not an original term. People no, all talk. Uh, lots of psychologists. And then you know her in prayer pose, you know, and her other pictures on the website. You know, it is what it is. Well, we have a caller. <laughs> oh, well, no, yeah. we have a ninety. We have a ninety-second limit, so we can't really take the call. It came in too late. Yeah, but, I don't know who uh, it is either. It's someone. No, nonetheless, you could listen to the show, and we'll be back on the air when next Wednesday. So next Wednesday at nine o'clock, we'll be back. And if you're to whoever the caller is, I'll have to write. Uh, give us down. a give us a ring. Yeah, you can contact us next week. Okay, thanks.